Hello and welcome along to the Puppy Academy Podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Hubert Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. Hey, today on the show, we're talking about can houses really double in value every 10 years? Now, this comes from a question that was posted at the Property Investors Chat Group by a guy named Alex, who says, I've got a question for you seasoned property investors. We're often told as young people that houses double in value on average every 10 years. But in my opinion, the logic isn't sound. That means by 2050, houses would be $8 million in Auckland. And by the time we get to the year 2100, on average, they would be $256 million. Obviously, as values double, the distance between the previous value becomes greater and greater. And I just don't think that in 2100 it's going to be viable that the average house is going to be almost quarter of a billion dollars as people won't have that kind of earning power. So what's the deal? So we're going to cover that in today's episode. And Andrew, you're going to start us off with a couple of truth revelations. Yeah, well, let's talk about whether or not houses do double in value every 10 years. Look, this is actually just an urban myth. So we took 31 years of data, I say we, I mean Ed, from Ryan's, and we looked at every 10-year period, and here's what you get. In New Zealand, the properties doubled in value over 10 years 43% of the time. So what that means is more than half of the time, 57% of the time, they didn't double in value. Now, if you exclude Auckland from that calculation, it's 45% rather than 43 doubled in value, and 55% of the time didn't double in value. So what that means is, historically, it was more likely your property would not double in value in a 10-year period than would double in value every 10 years. And sometimes you get close, but we often hear this 10-year yeah. period rabbited on all of the time. And so it's interesting to run the data and compare January 1992 with January 2002, and then February, and then March, and keep on doing it, and then see, did it actually happen? Most of the time, it didn't. And the picture gets even worse when you just look at an individual region. Because, of course, and we discussed this a couple of episodes ago, that sometimes the national data gets distorted because Auckland might go up in value and same with Wellington, and then those regions are flat for a bit, but other parts of the country are increasing in value. And then it averages out to make it look like house prices are always increasing everywhere. It's not the case. So if I look at Auckland, it's actually a little bit better than the national average, but 49% of the time they doubled in value over a 10-year period or less. 51% of the time they didn't. Now, it gets a bit worse once we get to Wellington. They only doubled in value within 10 years about 40% of the time. It's about 35% of the time in Christchurch. And Hamilton, only 14% of the time did they double in value within a 10-year period. Now, bear in mind, that doesn't mean that house prices aren't increasing or that over the long term you're not going to make money, but it just means that 10-year period a lot of people get stuck on doesn't actually happen, at least when we look over the last 30 years that we've got good quality data from. And one thing I would say is that over time, whenever you extrapolate value versus now and a future date, the prices do start to look silly because we are just conditioned to think about everything in today's dollars. So on average, inflation's 2%, right? Now, if you go buy a coffee today, what does that cost you, Ed? Well, mine usually costs $5.90. Okay, so we'll say $6. So we jump in our time machine, we travel 80 years from now, I don't know why we're doing this, it's the year 2103. 
We walk across to Terry's Cafe. <laughs> and we're still recording the podcast because we've probably cryogenically frozen ourselves at this stage. The price of a coffee then is $29. It's gone from $6 to $29. Outrageous. Terry, what are you doing? $23 increase. We're being fleeced by Terry. <laughs> Does this mean that coffee's unaffordable? Well, no, it doesn't. Coffee's the same price as what it is today, but things have got more expensive over time. That's just the way that the compounding effect has. And when you say they're the same price, you're talking about in today's dollars. Correct. After you adjust for inflation, it's the same price, even though you would be paying $29, but everything's got more expensive and incomes would have gone up. We better do some good investing before we cryogenically freeze each other. And in fact, the $29 coffee would have actually become more affordable because incomes typically increase faster than inflation. So generally speaking, depending on which measure you look at, and you know, there are different ways to measure income, but ballpark, it's about 4%. Incomes rise at about 4% per year on average. Inflation's about 2% per year on average. So if you think about what somebody earns today, and the average wage in New Zealand is just over $67,000, if you adjust for a 4% increase, and you say incomes are going to increase 4% every year for the next 80 years. So when you're going to come with us across the road, if you're, if you're young enough, you're going to live for another 80 years, <laughs> you're going to come with us to Terry's Coffee Shop. What's your income going to be if you're currently earning 65 grand a year today or 67 grand a year today? Well, your average salary would be $1.55 million. So that $29 coffee is looking pretty good at the moment. And you might say to me, Ed, how the hell am I going to earn a salary of $1.5 million? And this really shows what Andrew was talking about, is when you extrapolate any number ahead over a long period of time, the numbers look comparatively silly because you're thinking about what $1.5 million looks like in today's market. And what I want you to do is think back, jump in the time machine with us, and we're going to go back another 80 years now. We're going to stop in 1939, which is some data that I could find, so slightly more than 80 years ago. So if the average salary today is about $67,000, what do you think, and I know I've got the number in front of you, Andrew, <laughs> but does it surprise you to see the number that you've got in front of you before I tell everybody what it is? That's outrageous. So the average salary for a whole year for a guy in 1939 was 253 pounds for the year. Now, I just want you to go around now that you've got out of the time machine with us in 1939. Dust it off. Yep. Go talk to your great-great-grandfather <laughs> or your great-grandfather who's earning his 253 pounds. What would he say if you told him that you earned $67,000 a year? He'd think you were a gazillionaire. He wouldn't know what a dollar was. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah true. <laughs> but you think that's outrageous. What an enormous amount of money. If we ignore the fact that pounds and dollars are different for a second, which of course they are different, but he'd be saying that's 265 times what I earn in a year. Yeah. He'd think it was so outrageous. And so my key point is that whenever you look either way, the numbers look different because we're not thinking about what a dollar's worth in 80 years' time. We're thinking about it in today. So, Andrew, bring it back to property for us. Okay, so we've just spoken on the show about the rule of 72. Just explain that for us again. Yeah, so the rule of 72 means that if you take 72 and you divide whatever growth rate you expect moving forward, 
it will give you the number of years that it'll take for that asset to value. So I'll give you an example. Let's say we say property prices are going to go up by 4% a year. So 72 divided by 4 is 18. So that means that property will double in value every 18 years. Now, if we use a 4% growth rate, properties aren't becoming less affordable because income normally tends to go up by about that sort of rate as well. So the average house price in New Zealand right now is $955,000, according to propertyvalue.co.nz. So in 80 years, at 4% growth, that means a house is worth $22 million. $22 million. $22 million. But if incomes go up by that same rate, it's no less affordable. So you look at that and you probably say $22 million for the average house. That's a stupid price. But then Eliza, who will be 80 and a half, won't look back and say, she'll go, what, you bought a house for a million dollars back then? That's outrageous. And that's the same thing as if we think about great-great-uncle Eugene, (laughs) who's who's living back in 1939. Now, it all comes down to a, a level of a degree, right, of what you use. So if we think about the idea that properties double in value every 10 years, And we apply that rule of 72. So 72 divided by 10, that means that properties would be going up on average by 7.2% a year compounding. Well, we don't use that kind of growth rate here at Opus Partners when we're pulling together plans for investors and would suggest you don't use that as well. We use more conservative 5% for all of New Zealand and 6% for all of Auckland. And then, of course, we discount if it's a yield property, remember? Yeah, so if it were, that would only be for a growth property. And the way that's made up is we kind of say 2% for inflation, another 2% for rising incomes. And then there are always things like temporary supply shortages, population increasing, rising costs of building materials, all of those other factors. And we say maybe that's an extra percent for New Zealand, maybe an extra percent for Auckland because of the significantly higher population growth we see there. And that's broadly in line with what Tony Alexander's been saying as well. So that's how we come to that. And so you might say, well, how is it, Ed, that you expect prices will rise faster than incomes? I mean, how are people going to be able to afford it if houses are increasing at a faster rate than what they're earning? And generally at that point, I say to people, well, you're only thinking about first-time buyers. Because what you've got to remember is about 70% to 75% of the market is made up of people who already own properties. So if you think about somebody who doesn't have a mortgage, and there are about a third of properties in New Zealand that don't have a mortgage, if that person wants to go out and buy another house and they sell their house for a million dollars and they see one down the road that they really like, and that property's maybe it's worth $1.1 million. So they're going to have to take out a $100,000 mortgage or slightly more once they pay the real estate agent. They're going to sell their million-dollar house they're going to buy a $1.1 million house that they're going to take out a small mortgage. Well, if they're then at the auction and somebody else really wants that property as well and they get into a bit of a bidding war, well, that person, they can easily bid the price up to $1.15 million. They could drop an extra 50 k on there if they really want that house because they're not borrowing 80% of $1.15 million. They're selling their $1 million house, paying the real estate agent, and then they're getting maybe a $200,000 mortgage, which might be relatively affordable depending on their incomes and how old they are in order to purchase this new one. And so what I'm trying to get across to you is that not all buyers are in the same position where they're loading up 
binging on bank debt in order to push up house prices. House price lifts can also come from somebody selling their house that they've diligently paid the mortgage off on, taking out a small mortgage, and then going and ballpark overpaying, if we want to call it that, for the next property. Similarly, you can have house prices go up when new capital is introduced to the property market. So for instance, if you have a really well-off person selling their $5 million property in Singapore and coming over here and spending up here, they'd look at our house prices and say, I'm only going to get a townhouse in Singapore for $5 million. I'm going to sell that and buy a mansion in Grey Lynn. Oh, it doesn't matter to me that that property's only worth, say, $4 million to us. No, I'm going to go in and I'm going to pay 42 because I want that house. So this is the way that you can have house prices increase even if a first-home buyer is not there loading up on bank debt. And so there are different ways that you can see house prices rise, even though those houses that we're just talking about might not be affordable to first-home buyers. But if you're doing your forward projections, then use something you're comfortable with. So again, we recommend five for a growth property outside of Auckland, 6% in Auckland, and discount if it's a yield property. If you want to use 4% or if you want to use 3%, just do that. I think the most important thing is to be comfortable with what it is. But no matter what growth rate you use... It will, it will seem outrageous when you're forward projecting. It always does. Because the thing is that even if you use 1%, over time, every 72 years, property prices are going to double. And then you'd say, well, by the year 3,023, the <laughs> property price has gone up 30 times. How's that going to happen? And it's the same argument. It's just the level of degree that we're dealing with. So hopefully that answered your question. We're going to wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you're thinking about investing in property in 2023, then it might be time to come in for a portfolio planning session. Easy way to sign up for that free session. Whip out your phone, send us a text. Text the word PLAN to 5522. We'll give you a buzz, see if it's the right fit. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of your property market. Until next time.